Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Eight points. They're going to get the ball away from the centre again through Montforce. And McGuan gets past Brown. They're lifting the pies. They can sense it. First 15 minutes ordinary, but since then they've been good. McGuan's had five bounces. Nearly get another one. Round he goes. In he goes to an open goal. That certainly was 1994, that goal of the year. And after new life gets breathed into the oldest rivalry in footy, a new chapter written, uh, a rivalry that seems to be relevant once again. I thought it was only fitting that we get a man on who's helped write a couple of the chapters in that rivalry himself. Uh, one of the sharpest minds in footy is Mick McGuan, who's been good enough to jump on. Hello, Mick. G'day, Sammy. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm good, thank you, mate. Um, I said in the opener that I finally felt like footy was back in every way that we've loved our whole lives. Big crowd, big occasion, Sunday afternoon, a winter's day at the MCG, two teams just going hammer and tongs. It had a finals-like um, atmosphere to it. Uh, the crowd makes the game. It, it, it is the fans are the heart and soul of it, and the game just isn't the same uh, without them, and I finally felt like it was back. How did you feel um, taking all that in yesterday at the G? Oh, it's just good to sit back and watch the old arch-rivals go head-to-head, but more importantly, as you stipulated and enunciated really well, this game's all about the fans and to mm. see 80,000-plus people at the MCG with that territorial behaviour that comes with great supporter bases is what the atmosphere is all about, and I thought the players fed off that magnificently. Especially after we've had a couple of weeks, and even after Friday night as well, where there's real anger... Um, there's a tension amongst the footy family, people unhappy with umpiring or dissent or, you know, 50s that should or shouldn't have been paid. It just felt like it was great to put all that aside and just enjoy everything that was great and is great um, about our game. And it really felt like for probably the first time, Mick, since 2013 when it was billed as Buckley v Malthouse, that this rivalry had a bit of substance in it again. Well, it did, and it just comes back to... You know, when you get entrenched in both those clubs, there's a lot said in the lead-up. Mm. And it's irrespective where you are on the ladder versus where the opposition is on the ladder. And in this case, we knew Carlton were sitting in the top four and Collingwood were knocking on the uh, the top eight. And the win was important to them, just like it was for Carlton, to solidify their position at the top of the ladder. So we knew it was going to be game on. And when you know what is said and spoken about behind the four walls, through my experience... You knew that Collingwood would roll their sleeves up and get to work, and the template was clearly there the week before with what they did against Fremantle. Their pressure was outstanding. Their tackle count was high, second highest second highest in the year. But also you knew they had the challenges before them to contain what is a fantastic combative style that Michael Voss has brought to the Carlton team in 2022, but also their stoppage prowess and their ability to score once they get inside Ford 50, even though they didn't have 
uh, Charlie Kerno's partner in crime and Harry Mackay. Mark Pitney's not playing at the moment. You just knew it was going to be game on from the outset. And as we know, both teams had chances. There was momentum shifts in the game. Mm. Collingwood owned the footy for a period of time in the third quarter. Probably couldn't put the, the Blues away. And the fighting spirit that we've seen from Carlton on a number of occasions this year was clearly on display late when they kicked the last three goals. And Silvani has that last snap within 30-odd seconds of the game remaining, only to just miss and Collingwood hold on for a four-point victory. Yeah, it, 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 we're all, it is what makes a day at the football, whether you're covering it or just taking it in, the more enjoyable with a game on the line and the moments that, that, that matter, that the moments that either win it or lose it, the, the, the desperate acts that define a, a win. Were there a few that stuck out to you, um, whether it be from Carlton or, or from Collingwood, who, who hold on to win and, and knock off, uh, by the way, set, and at the start of the round, Carlton were top four. So that's two top four teams uh, in succession that they've knocked off, which is it shouldn't go... Um, uh, that that shouldn't go uh, unnoticed. Um, what what were the moments that stood out for you, Mick? Oh, I just thought Collingwood's intensity early was really good to see, and they had to bring heat on Carlton because Carlton are a team that have really had really good blitz starts. Um, they jumped out of the blocks. Collingwood certainly got the ascendancy early, and the momentum shifted just before half time. And I thought there was enthralling matchups throughout the course of the event. I think everyone gravitated to the Moore and Charlie Kerno um, one-on-one matchup, and we thought that would happen going into the game. And when you see Kerno finish with four goals at the end, even though Darcy Moore had some really influential moments within the game, mm. you'd think Kerno just took the chance, uh, took the nod. But in saying that, you look for when the games are the tightest, and I personally always look for those players that are clean, don't fumble make good decisions with the footy, where to go, why you go there, who have you gone to. And then you look for other moments and you say, well, in this situation, it's a high ball going in down the line. Who's going to stand under it and mark it? I thought Mason Cox, who's had a fair bit of criticism, and I've been guilty of him criticising him a fair bit over the last four or five years, I thought his second half was really compelling. And it had to be to take four contested marks in that period of time to kick a goal. I think he laid a really important tackle by memory, being the tallest player on the ground, he got low, stayed low and tackled ball and all. Uh, they were sort of decisive moments. Nick Dacos is one of the youngest players on the ground, was so clean late, could have easily fumbled in congestion. So there was a lot of really pivotal moments. I thought, oh, he's stepping up when he had to and convert the chances that he did. The Kurnow long 50-metre, outside 50-metre goal. Oh, that the was that. Hope yes. Into uh, the Carlton team was exciting. So as we know, good players step up. They get the job done at the right time and those little individual moments can make a difference. The um, I've been remarking all year that what defines Melbourne at the moment for me was just a single act that I saw, but it's what they measure themselves on. It's what they build up within their four walls. It was Tom Sparrow earlier in the year. Um, they were already 60-odd points up uh, in a game at the G. It's just... Um, just mistaking me who they were playing. Might have been St Kilda. Uh, it just left my mind at the minute. But the act will never, because he defensive side of the members' wing, um, he was involved in, in regaining possession for the for the Demons and then ends up in the right forward pocket where he desperately lunges with bodies all around to slap it forward to Bailey Fritz. The desperation for the for the dive and, and lunge and, and the knock-on to, to get one more goal, I thought that epitomised what Melbourne are all about. And, and I felt like there were moments like that for Collingwood, whether it be John Noble, who's done it a couple of weeks in a row now, or Tyler Brown, whose tackle on Saar to dispossess him and then the smother on Carroll after Carlton 
Collingwood kicked the first goal um, in the last quarter to really put a stop to their momentum at that stage. Those two acts of desperation to set up the Mason Cox goal. And then, as I said in the call, footy karma is a beautiful thing because their very next entry, he's front and square uh, and gets the quick snap to make it two in a row. I just thought that that, it, that seems to be what Collingwood want to be all about as well in their rebuild. Oh, absolutely. And there's times where every player that's played this game haven't had yeah, you know, good minutes or good quarters, but they have great moments. Yeah. And you spoke really well about Noble the week before, even this week a rundown tackle. The Tyler Brown examples you gave were spot on. So, yes, you're right. There's a lot of times where you mightn't have had your day, uh, but you can certainly complement with what you do, what the team needs at the given point of time to certainly influence a passage of play that could be really effective for your team. And there was those moments right across the board for both clubs on the weekend. And when you know there's only less than a kick in it, it could have gone either way. A lot's been said about the Sam Walsh wasn't too high situation. Technically, there's no doubt it was a free kick to him, but the umpire was blindsided. He was the other side of the pack and wouldn't have seen it. And there you're relying Mm. on the midfield umpire in the mid zone to probably position himself in the right area to ensure that he could actually make a correct free kick and not guess. And that's one thing we don't want. So umpires have to really try to get in the right position at all times, particularly when the moments are tense. And there's an argument that last stoppage that Moore went to market that went out of bounds close, out, out close to the boundary line. Darcy Cameron could have got an infringement in the ruck contest, but it was let go and nothing's been said about that much this week. And the Ollie Henry. Week. I mean, I think with about a minute and a half to go, I think Ollie Henry could yeah, have got a free yeah. kick as well. So... I'm with you. I think, yeah, okay. If you're gonna, you could focus in there, or do you just focus in on that was a bloody good game of footy on a day with eighty thousand people and the sun eventually came out to shine. Um, it felt like footy was back, and I haven't felt like that really because you know we've had crowds that have been lower than what we'd hoped. But this felt like everything that was great and has been great and will be great about our game. We got to live it and experience it. Uh, again, so it was just a, a joy to be there. Um, I want to ask you about Fremantle, the win over Melbourne. Tactically fascinating with what John Justin Longmuir uh, was able to implement. To only kick two goals in the first half and then to be able to turn it around, apparently he gave them a fair spray at half-time. And then for the, for the plans you put in place to actually come off to keep Melbourne to just one goal in the second half and put on 12 of your own. I I thought it was a coaching masterclass, Mick. And I know, as I said before, you've got one of the best brains in footy. How did you view the performance from Fremantle? Well, once again, things that you put in place early mightn't get to work or go to work the way you want them to work. And then you have to make those necessary adjustments in-game. And this is what good coaching panels can do. They see what's wrong. They correct it. I've always been a firm believer in as much as we're in a system-based coaching philosophy in this modern era, I think there's still room for making adjustments to your system, particularly if you're not scoring or if you're not stopping the opposition from scoring. And then you come back to who are the most influential players on the ground. And if our system's flawed and those players are getting too much of it and they're impacting the game because of that, There's no reason why you shouldn't be putting some work into making sure on your list you've got a person that can be a real accountable midfielder to take the opposition's best out of the equation. And I'm shocked it doesn't happen more often. Um, If you want to revert to a 17-man defence, team defence, so be it. Ross Lyon did it for years. Uh, We've seen Alistair Clarkson use Liam Shields for years. He's used Daniel Howe at times for periods. 
it does work. And if you've got Clayton Oliver getting off the chain and doing what he wants around stoppage, there's no reason why you can't make that adjustment in game to bring him back to the field a bit. It takes great discipline. It takes great selflessness. To surrender yourself for the benefit of the team, there's not many players nowadays that want to do it. And I'm really critical of Essendon at this moment in time because I see with my own eyes they've got a lot of selfish players that just don't want to conform to role play. And it was evident again on Sunday in the Essendon situation. If you watch the game closely, you sit back and say, why, why is Zach Merritt on a wing? OK, he's on a wing for a reason. But then two minutes into the game, he chases the footy, collapses his wits, and all of a sudden Carl on his direct opponent, you wonder why he's getting the footy in space. That's not conforming to role play. That's not the winger's role in today's environment. And these are the things that should happen more often, I mm. think. And coaches are reluctant to put those in place. And if they do put them in place, the, the team will certainly turn it around, just like Fremantle did on the weekend. So Longmire's a good... Long, uh, Longmill's a very good coach. He's proved that at Collingwood when he's helping out Nathan Buckley. He's got his team very defensively minded, ranked number one in the competition of defence right now. The challenge for him is to get consistency with their offence yep. and be able to hit the scoreboard higher and more often than what they do. But maybe, just maybe, the weekend was the circuit breaker they required to do that to prove that they can do it. They know they've got five to come back into this team, who I think will spend probably 60%, maybe 70% forward to help out Lobb and also Tabana. And then they've got the ground-level support with, you know, Schultz is clean. He's a one-step kicker. Yep. Doesn't need much time and space to manufacture a score. So they've got a lot of upside to come, and they would have been smarting over their two previous weeks losing to Gold Coast and Collingwood. And they probably said, well, let's draw a line in the sand in the second half. Uh, we're as good as any team in the competition. Here's a chance to come to the MCG and prove that we can belong mm. here come September. So that's where you have to win it. And look, they, Melbourne had a fair bit go against them, which helped Frio's cause, whether it be May's concussion. But they were already doing the job on him with Griffin Lowe, playing that forward defensive stop on May, not allowing him to be May. And yet Petrarca, we find out now, is crook, only had the 10 uh, disposals. But... Um, yeah, I just was really impressed, as you were, with the coaching tactics that were uh, employed by Longmuir. Aish going to Oliver, kept into the 12 second half at disposals. And it's a big win for the Brayshaw and Brody combo in the middle to get that win. And Darcy's win over Gorn shouldn't be underestimated either. Um, there was a lot to like about it. And there, as long as we don't play any finals in the rain, because they haven't enjoyed the rain, they're a bit like cricket. They don't play in the rain, Mick. But um, if there's no <laughs> rain in September, they'll be okay. Well, back. That Brayshaw-Brody combination's starting to bode well for their connection with Darcy. And to see Darcy being assertive Ruckman pushing forward to make his opposition Ruckman, for example, if it was Jackson for periods, it made him vulnerable as a, as a centre-half back, so to speak, or a full-back to man up on Darcy. And time and time again, he looked threatening. At the other end of the ground, obviously... Uh, sorry, at the Melbourne end of the ground, when May was sort of kept in check... There's a lot of times, probably after he left, there was times when the ball was kicked in. And I just imagine May would have been a person, just like Weedering would have been, he would have impacted the air when others couldn't, either mark it or killing it and clearing the area to take away their front and centres. And in Weedering's case, when he went down for Carlton to allow Collingwood to have 18, I think it was, 450 marks, just goes to show how much of an yep. important traffic cop he is, a bit like Stephen May is. He's a traffic cop, really good organiser, make sure they're pulling them apart, getting left, their gap controlling spatial defences right so he can roll off and still impact a vulnerable teammate. 
he was sorely missed, but full credit to Frio. Uh, I think, yeah. as I've said probably four or five weeks ago on the Herald Sun, I, I really believe Fremantle is the real deal. Hey, Mick, I always feel like we just scratch the surface when you and I chat, but you're always so generous with your time, and I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for giving us some more of it tonight. Anytime, Sam. Good luck. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.